Why don't we give him another hand? You guys did an incredible job up here. And I also want to especially thank our kids team, all the kids workers, Kylie and the team for, for all the preparation. So why don't we give them a huge hand as well? Like we said at the beginning, welcome. If it's your first time here, we want to welcome you to our Christmas event. And um, to put on an event like this takes time, it takes energy. And we want to thank everyone in our church family who's put so many hours in, all the volunteers and everyone that's worked so hard to make this happen. But there is one person who has really shouldered the load of this, and that's Rach Beattie. Is she in this room right now? Could she stand up, please? Please thank her. Thank you. Um, we are aware of some of the hours that you've put in, and no doubt there was a lot more that goes behind the scenes, and we really want to honor and thank you. And if you're seeing Rachel look a little bit tired um, today or over the next couple of weeks, go and buy her a coffee. Um, are you drinking coffee? Yeah, you're drinking coffee. Uh, otherwise, just give her cash. Give her something. Uh, um, one of my sons, he was actually one of the wise men. And um, during the, this last week, I was talking to him, and he's seven years old, and I was talking to him about um, what to do and what to not do in life, one of those conversations that we love to have. And in the middle of the conversation, as I was explaining to him how to be responsible as a seven-year-old, he turned to me and says, but dad, I'm one of the wise men. <laughs> I said, what, what? He goes, I know everything. I'm one of the wise men. And I turned to him and said, mate, Miss Kylie didn't give you that job because you know everything. She gave you that job because you look cute in a costume. <laughs> anyway, I don't think he believed me, but... Um, actually, somebody sent me something that I must read out. Um, if instead the three wise men were wise women, I'll just wait for it. Three wise women would have actually asked for directions. Someone says yes. They would have arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and there would have been peace on earth. This morning, as we've got a couple of moments, I just want to share a few thoughts around Christmas and then we're going to go and enjoy everything else that's been prepared for us, which will be incredible. And um, actually, as I was thinking about Christmas just recently, I, I had the thought that how many know that sometimes we have this expectation of Christmas? We have this expectation of Christmas and we have this thought in our head that is like, hey, Christmas Day comes and the roast pork is going to be perfectly pulled out of the oven. It's going to be moist inside with crackling on the outside. All the food's going to be perfectly laid out on a table. 
We're going to have the, the air conditioning set at exactly 22 degrees. We're going to enjoy. We're going to have the Christmas tree lit. We're going to dim the lights. We're going to turn on the TV and have one of those fake crackling fires that we can put on our TV. We're going to turn on some Michael Buble Christmas carols and have the sounds of Christmas just filter through as the, as the lights are dimmed, as we enjoy Christmas. And sometimes we have these thoughts about Christmas that there's just going to be this mystical, magical Christmas. We have this thought about this perfect Christmas where our children are going to be perfectly nestled underneath the Christmas tree loving each other and saying nice things to each other. As the lights are dimmed, as, as Michael Buble plays and sings to us on this incredible Christmas day. How many know that that's not always possible? How many know that sometimes, if you're like in our family, by 8 o'clock, it's absolute chaos on Christmas morning? And although it's good to have expectations about Christmas, oftentimes that's not the reality of life. And as I was thinking about the Christmas story recently, I thought about the fact that Jesus did not come into a perfect environment. He did not come into something that was perfectly set up. He did not come into an environment where the lights were dimmed, where the Christmas tree was lit and everything was perfect. But rather, he came into chaos. We see this with Mary where here a teenage girl is impregnated by God himself. You imagine the conversations you would have with your family, with the fiancé Joseph, about what is going on with this baby that is growing inside of you. And it doesn't get better than this. Once they work through that issue, then all of a sudden when the baby Jesus, like we saw this morning, is about to be born, they have to travel to Bethlehem because of the census. All of a sudden there's a disruption to their life. All of a sudden, the, the, everything is not perfect. Then after that, they arrive in Bethlehem and poor old Joe, he hasn't made a, a booking reservation for the accommodation. And all of a sudden, they go around knocking as we saw this morning and there's no room. Not everything was perfect. Jesus, even his birth, came into an environment that was not perfect. And from that moment, it actually gets worse. All of a sudden, Jesus is born in a stable. And like we saw, these amazing animals dressed up here, the beautiful costumes. How many know that wasn't actually look, what the manger looked like 2,000 years ago? There was animals, it was chaotic. And here Jesus, the Son of God, the greatest promise to, to humankind, is born in a manger. It wasn't a perfect environment that Jesus was born into. And we see that when God wanted to proclaim this amazing gift, He tells the lowly shepherd, the dirty, grubby shepherds. And of course, that's not like any of our shepherds here. But here, the good news about Jesus Christ is proclaimed to the shepherds. 
Jesus was not born into a perfect environment, but rather there was chaos. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, this is what the Bible says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This is an incredible promise because this is what the Lord is saying. Hey, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And oftentimes we would ask the question and say, well, is God interested in my life because it's not perfect? Maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, my life is not perfect. I don't have my life looking like the perfect Christmas tree, the lights that are dimmed, the Michael Bublé songs coming through, the, 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 the perfect environment. I would like to say this morning that Jesus is interested in you just where you're at. And I would like to say further that he actually prefers people that don't have it together. He actually prefers environments that are sometimes a little bit chaotic because we know that we need him. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, I want you to remember that, that he came into an environment, not perfect, but he came to save us. 2,000 years ago, God gave the greatest gift to humankind, that was Jesus. And today, 2,000 years later, he's still extending the same gift of salvation today. And if we can all just hold our places for a moment, only two more minutes. I just want you to close your eyes right now just to respect this moment. But in a moment, I want to give you an invitation to the greatest gift of all. 2,000 years ago, God gave humanity the greatest gift. And today, He still gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if anyone proclaims with their mouth and and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. There's a free gift that Jesus is offering all of us today. It's a gift of salvation. It's a gift of knowing that our sins are forgiven and that our eternity in heaven is guaranteed. It's a gift that brings us from the sin and the issues of life to relationship with the Father. It doesn't mean that when we invite Jesus to take control of our life that all our circumstances change. But what it means is that we change from the inside because He is now living with us. The Bible talks it as being born again. It's a spiritual rebirth. The greatest thing we can do is to say yes to Jesus. And as we go on from this moment, and we're going to enjoy the 
festivities, we're going to enjoy all the things that lunch and everything else today. But this morning, as every eye is closed, I, don't, I want to invite you to receive Jesus. This gift of salvation is available to all of us today. It's not complex. It's actually simple. It's a simple thing where we acknowledge Him, where we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you say, hey, Ben, I want my sins forgiven. I want a brand new start. I want to follow Jesus. While every eye is closed, I just want you to raise your hand so I can see it, so I know who I'm praying with this morning. Is there anyone here that would say, hey, I want to follow Jesus? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Awesome. I see that hand down the back. Is there anyone else today that would say, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to know that my eternity is with Christ. Thank you. I see that hand down the front. You know, it's not just our eternity with Him that's guaranteed. It's this relationship with Jesus that He's asking us to come into. And just one more time, anybody else that wants to say yes to Jesus this morning. It is the best decision you'll ever make. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand down the back. I'm just going to wait one more moment as hands keep being raised. Anybody else this morning that wants to make the, the greatest? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's still hands going up all over the place. The best decision we can make is say yes to him. I see that hand over here. Thank you. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, guys, I see your hand. What we're going to do now is we're going to, I want to include you in a prayer. This is not my prayer, this is actually your prayer to God. But what I want you to do is I want you to repeat this after me and mean it in your heart, declare it with, the, with your mouth, and the Bible says you shall be saved. So why don't we all repeat this after me? Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And of my own free will, I choose you. Take control of my life. And from this day on, I'm going to live for you. Amen. Why don't we celebrate that this morning? You know, the Bible says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. So we've had about between 15 and 20 people this morning that have said, hey, I want my sins to be being forgiven. I want a brand new start. So I would assume, and I know for a fact, that all of heaven is rejoicing right now. The next steps, if you made that decision this morning, it's important that you gather around people that are full of faith and you can live in a community. And, and we, we, we have church every week on Sunday at 9.30. If you're not from this area, I encourage you to, when you go home, go to find a good local church. It's important that the environments we hang around actually create and um, determine who we are. And so I encourage you to do that. Also, if you put your hand up, someone will be with you shortly to put a Bible in your hand on us. I encourage you to read the Bible. 
It's incredible what God will do in your life as you read the Bible. And so who's ready to celebrate one final song? Why don't we jump up on our feet? We can't celebrate sitting down. Thank you for coming. We're going to do one song. Are we ready? Everyone on their feet? Thanks, team.